0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Building Your Business, right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my wonderful guest today is Elaine Snee. I don't want to make sure I do pronounce that right. Um, she is a former Catholic nun, and she's an author of LEAD How Women in Charge Claim Their Authority boy, we've been trying to claim our authority for a very, very long time. She says from the C-suite to the Senate floor, women in leadership positions are at a historic high, and research shows how women are more effective than men in 84% of competencies associated with leadership. Yet many accomplished and capable women continue to struggle with issues related to ambition, power, and authority. What explains this disconnect? Well, she says, who has been at the forefront?" front of women's leadership development for more than 24 years it's available to share, going to share her perspective here with us today on how we claim that authority. Informative, uplifting, empowering lead is a leadership book for our times. It has received advanced praise from business leaders, academics, experts on women leadership, including Sally Helgerson, best author of How Women Rise and the Female Vision and the Female Advantage. Her experience as a Catholic nun affords her a unique perspective on women leaders in the roles of authority. She lives and worked With a woman who ran a large educational nonprofit institution where she learned many, many things that we're going to be talking about today. So let us dive right into it, folks. I'm praying that you cannot hear the horrible construction going on outside my window. (laughs) But that's the way life is, right? You know, sometimes I think women can take that leadership role uh, just because whatever hand we're dealt, we just know we have to roll up our sleeves and go okay what are we going to do about this welcome to the show love
1: thank you so much sarah it's a delight to be here
0: authority i think is something we know very well and it's either been imposed upon us or we know how to take charge when it's necessary right that's inbuilt in us you know uh, as a parent you look at as a mother and what they've got to go through you know, they're the nurturer, they're the guider, they're the teacher, you know, they're the housekeeper, they're everything. Look at the label. When people say, I've, um, well, I'm going back into the workforce, but I'm not qualified. And you've raised two or three children. What are you not qualified in? <laughs>
1: you know, look exactly. at the roles
0: that you played. We're always playing leadership roles. But why is it not seen as something being, you know, of authority?
1: So I became very interested in that because I had always been believed that women had all the skills to lead and to mobilize people, to get work done, to roll up their sleeves, as you said. And as a Catholic nun, mm-hmm. I had 18 years of experience where all of the roles of authority were held by women. Mm-hmm. Our order ran Catholic Colleges for women and K through 12 schools. And from principal on down, they were all women. I also had the experience of living with some of the nuns in communities. So one year, my principal in the high school lived across the hall from me. So I learned a lot about authority at work and what it's like at home. But to go back to your question, I became really interested in this and decided to study women's psychology, women's psychological development, to see what was the world missing? You know, what what made women so capable to be good leaders, but they seem to not uh, be chosen for or to choose the roles of authority. So, long story short, I was in a leadership class where all of the guys were, you know, Mr. Powerful and, you know, the great man theory of leadership and were having trouble capturing the importance of listening, of collaborating, of including. And the women were like, duh, you know, if, what, what's going on? And a bell went off for me that the leadership theory that was being taught, and that was the 90s, was really addressed to a stereotypical male model of leadership and authority. And so I began by interviewing women who held roles of authority, and I wanted to understand what it was like for them in that position not just to exercise leadership, but actually hold responsibility for hiring, firing, promoting, giving difficult feedback, making hard decisions. And I was really intrigued, interested in seeing what it was like when it was a woman in authority over other women. And that research led me to some conclusions that for women, A few things get in their way in relationship to roles of authority. One is women in the world of work tend to toward perfectionism. Mm -hmm. They want to deliver the perfect project. They want it done with the I's dotted and T's crossed, and they end up delivering 150%. I often say to my clients, just cut back to 100%. (laughs) And you'll have all this extra time for <laughs> other things that are important. Just cut back to 100. It's all asking. just 100. And they laugh because they know it's true. Mm-hmm. So I think that keeps them from feeling they could do a perfect job. And I also think it is. Um, it has a lot to do with relationships. Yes. One of the women I interviewed, for my dissertation, spoke about when she was in the role of authority over another woman, she had one eye on the relationship and one eye on the responsibility and the role. And that led me to think about what happens when you have eyes on two different things. You actually go blind. it's a condition called lazy eye if your eyes are pointing in different Mm -hmm. directions they have to be corrected or you'll go blind in one eye and so that metaphor led me to think about how can women develop both eyes how can they develop their sense of authority in tandem in single sight with their um their emphasis on relationships
0: I mean, it gets kind of, you know, we're bored up with blinkers here. And I think if we could just open those up a little bit, we would actually realize we have kind of quite a panoramic view of things, you know, and we can assess things very quickly, can't we? You know, we, we don't just come from the brain or the intellect or the ego. Sometimes ego gets in the way, but normally, you know, especially if we're driven to achieve something with that, that intuitiveness steps in oh, she's saying one thing, but I feel she's really saying this. And so it's not necessarily having the eye on it. It's having the intuition on it, that, you know, connection to what's really being said and what really needs to be addressed. And I feel women are very, very good at that if we allow ourselves to tune
1: more into it. I agree. There are three things that you just said I want to go back to. Um, The first is when you used your hands around blinders, Mm I think that while I encourage a single site, women at work often use the blinders to focus on their work, their mm-hmm. team, their responsibility. And it's critical to look out and look up yes. to build relationships in all directions. I, um, the second thing you said is that um, you were talking about connecting to the intuition. I encourage women to really pay attention to their inner voice, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not only in terms of insight about other people and situations, but above all about what they want. Yeah. Because I think far too often women have not gotten into roles of authority because they haven't realized they wanted to or they have silenced that and said i've had i have two stories in the book um one is Ginny Romney, who is the former ceo of ibm and she tells a story of when her boss was moving on pretty far into her career he came to her and said you know you're going to get my job and she was like oh no 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 i'm not ready i'm not ready and she went home and told her husband and he was like let's think about this yes <laughs> how are you gonna how are you in three weeks if you don't take this job mm. so i think women um really need to be in touch with their desire mm. and listen to that not sell themselves short Absolutely. Which I think we're, we're kind of
0: conditioned to do so. You know, the man is the superior, we are the inferior. So therefore, how could we step into a man's <laughs> shoes?
1: True. I, I try to avoid, there are always gender mm. comparisons involved. But I try to stick with what um, is the woman's experience and what impedes her rather than the comparison to the man, because I think that has served women poorly. Yes, but that's day. what's in the way though. That, 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 that thought right. process, that's we've right. been
0: conditioned that we will never be able to be you know, uh, in that power position where that we haven't got the capabilities of holding it together and making those big calls because we've been conditioned to do that from childhood.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. There's conditioning, but we, we, there's an element that women inflict on themselves that they can change. Oh yeah. We can change and everything. <laughs> I think it's, it's the, um, like the Ginny Romedy story. I had a client who, when her boss left, I went to her right away and said, have you put your name in? And she's like, Oh no, no. I have to go have a job at a smaller company and then come back. And I was, go talk to your male colleagues and see if if they would do that right and she pulled back and she applied so there's this perfectionism mm-hmm. that they bring to their career path I've also discovered over time that there's another issue where they women tend to believe that that position is going to demand of them more than they want to give hmm that it will, it will detract from their family, it will detract from interests. And they don't give themselves credit that like they have balanced everything to yes. this point, they will figure it out. Yes. And there was a, a wonderful executive at, I think it was Pepsi, I've forgotten her name, but I remember reading about her And no, it was GE, it was GE. And she would leave every day at five. And this was like unheard of, but she was very clear. She got her job done in the time allotted. And so women, as you said, sell themselves short on what they can do and need to give themselves the chance. I also think we
0: need to look at hours of the day. Somebody may be eight hours at their job, but are they being productive? You know, if you are productive, you're creative, you know how to delegate, you know, people's strengths around you. You know, that's good for this one. That's good for this one. Let's everybody put in. And then all of a sudden, four hours later, if you've accomplished... You know, exactly. what, are, and, and that's the thing, that efficiency. And we know as women, because I think that's genetically inside of us, of the, you know, as I I'll go back to running the home, if you're not efficient, there's going to be chaos. And so we know that how to get things done and just get on with it uh, right. rather that's than it, like, oh, it's got to happen in this eight hour period. No, it, it, you know, it's let's just get it done. We've got time over afterwards. We'll have a cup of tea. That's <laughs>
1: right. That's right. We've learned how to do it in so many settings that we just have to transfer those skills from one part of our lives to another.
0: Yeah. Um, One of the things that I do a lot on the shows and the business shows particularly is, you know, uh, collaboration and camaraderie uh, and compassion. You know, those are three things that, you know, most certainly are being inserted in business today to have productive businesses that not only serve their staff, but serve the clientele and that will bring the profit, right? Because people see the company of integrity, but it's giving time to get to know the people who are working for you, their stories. You know, I always say that the village is only as strong as everybody's participation. now you've got this person that's good at that this person that's good at that there isn't competitiveness there each one has their own beautiful gift and that village is only as strong as how you support each other how you celebrate each other how you're there in the bad times and the good times I would like to see that mentality in business you know a woman even if she's the CEO crisis at home I don't care if you're a man woman or an it if there's a crisis at home You know, that crisis at home, it should come first, right? Same as if there's a crisis at work, the family understands you're going to spend extra time at work. And it's that support of each other rather than the judgment of each other.
1: That's right. That actually triggers um, another interesting piece I found in my research and I have experienced over and over with women in my coaching, which is women tend to have unspoken expectations of each other, (laughs) especially of women in authority. So they will tolerate certain behaviors in a male boss that they will not tolerate in a female boss. Mm -hmm. Or they will expect that because she's a woman, she's going to be more supportive or understanding or fill in the blank toward me because I'm a woman Mm -hmm. that our identity as women should somehow gain me special privileges in, in the world of business. So I have, I'm often cautioning women when they're talking about what happened with another woman at work Mm -hmm. to step back and let's just look at what's going on. Let's pretend that person is a guy and how would you be reacting or what's really going on here that is about the business? Yes. But is there anything else, uh, another undercurrent that is not serving either of you very well right i don't know if you ever saw the movie
0: the devil wears prada
1: oh absolutely right
0: right and you know everybody looked at her as you know the they're petrified of her (laughs) in awe of her she was the witch but then you saw how her marriage was breaking down how everything else was breaking down and very often we buy into the facade of things right and it's like you know especially i think it's it's a kind of the the conditioning and expectation of the human race is to put on a face present that face and whatever else is going on behind you know you don't let anyone know i don't find that you know and i come from a generation where it's like you don't hang your dirty linen out <laughs> that's right and i've always come from is they speak your truth you know, because how do people know if you're vulnerable or going through hard times unless you address it? Now, it doesn't mean you bring your melodrama, but you can address it because I have found that those that have you know willing to say, I am vulnerable right now, or this is going on in my life right now. I, I, I'd like everyone to step up because I'm going to have to step back a bit. People are immediately there to support. But if you're there all the time, I'm tough, I can handle anything, I'm made of steel. There is a resentment towards you, and there's also a lack of permission for you to be vulnerable yourself.
1: That's right. That's right. And being vulnerable <coughs> allows others to be vulnerable. Yes. I, th- I also think the point you're raising is very important right now in the virtual world. Mm-hmm. I-, I have grave concerns, as, as most people do, that our life online is not affording us those off moments where we can share, oh, this just happened to my father or my sister's house was flooded. We get on the Zoom call, we do our meeting and we get off. And in person, there were a lot of kind of lost moments in between meetings. That are vital moments to build relationships and to touch base and to check out. You know, why does someone seem upset or angry? What's going on? And I, I think the technology and the um, the kind of guidance on meetings needs to advance to provide us with more of these check-ins. I know some companies are doing a lot of that and have figured it out better than others. But um, I think I have grave concern about how do we allow ourselves to be human with each other across a computer screen the way when we're missing the human touch.
0: I think a lot of it, you know, we, you know, one of the things I've seen with like talk shows, they had to go to the Zoom talk rather than, you know, obviously the in-person. And you see this person that you, you know, put up on a pedestal, accolades for in their home, you know, maybe kind of haven't had a haircut in a while. You know, the, the kids come running in, the cat jumps up on their lap and all of a sudden, instead of like, oh, revered up there, they're human like us. They've got chaos in their lives like us. And I think you can actually feel the, ah, you know, a breath of relief coming from people. Oh, well, you know, what goes on in my house is going on in their house. And it's like keeping it real because it's up to obviously the leader to set the stage. Right. And if it's like, um, okay, business at the top, pajama bottoms and then everybody stand up and show off your pajama bottoms you've suddenly (laughs) broken you've broken the you know the ice there and I think it's up to the leader to set a different stage of that you know one of the guys that I that I talked to that had pivoted he said he's he's in the car doing his business call you know with the shirt suit etc on the top then that off comes off and off he is surfing and then back in the car to do another call you know that's really
1: taking advantage of <laughs> yeah, it all.
0: exactly exactly but i think you know we can still have that touch if we, we if we if the person in charge
1: sets the stage for it right right but i also think that it's incumbent on everyone on these calls to really pay attention to each other. Yes. Um, because I was talking this morning with someone who asked about introverts and extroverts. And um, there are different styles and clearly in group meetings on Zoom, some people talk more than others. And I think we have to step up an own responsibility to uh, make sure that the quiet people the introverts are speaking up and if they're not we invite them to, yes and but we make sure that what they say doesn't get lost. stolen <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. From someone yeah. Else.
0: I mean again as the leader
1: you're the conductor of this orchestra right and I would argue that we are all leaders mm-hmm. so we all share the responsibility for the community and the conversation even though one person sets the the direction and her or his um behavior certainly has greater impact yeah. but i think we all have to really contribute when we're on in a way that we needed to in person but it's even more critical in virtual
0: yeah i, I know somebody who um I've been on a couple of calls with different type of groups and it's like everybody introduce yourself, right? And, you know, if you're working in the same company, you know, check in, how are things going for you, you know, and everybody state where they're at, you know, you know, I had a water main burst or this and that. Oh, I'm so sorry. Did you call this plumber? I've got a friend who can help you with that. How about the first 10 minutes being that? Making that connection, inviting people, letting them know they're a part of the arena here instead of straight into business. Okay, folks, everybody take a deep breath. Let's get into business now. And everybody feels like they're more relaxed. They've been heard. They've been seen. And they're
1: more eager to participate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because virtual is going to be here with us for a long time. Yes. And And it's... We have to be careful not to slip into unhealthy habits.
0: Right. Uh, again, the facade, right? The head and shoulders, smile, and nobody knows what's going on. Um, so I think it's, again, you know, keeping it real, keeping it honest. I think one of the things that we're demanding from our leaders today, no matter female, male, we are demanding that upfront honesty. And, you know, we've, we've had the wool pulled over our eyes. We've, you know, we've had the one side of the mouth saying one thing and the other on the other side. we're tired of it. We're tired of it. We're all a bit beaten down right now with the last 18 months or longer. And everybody's just like, can we just keep it real? Now, you know, you can have opposite opinions on things, but an absolute golden rule that... You know, because I'm a true colors coach, the four key personalities, everybody's going to have a different view of it, a different perspective. Everybody, lay your view down. Now you're seeing the whole picture and you're understanding more from where people are coming from before you go and pass judgment or spit fire, right? Right. So, have some golden rules, or if you are going to be open and honest, you're willing to listen to everybody's point of view first. And I think we want that honesty. We want that candor because we're seeing so much. We came together so much at the beginning of COVID where everybody had empathy for each other. Now we're just seeing the wrench and the division again. And it's like the war is, is at the present moment on the pandemic. Why are we at war with each other? And this is where leadership comes in. And it's like, uh-uh, you know, we all bleed the same. We all need the same. Let us hear one another.
1: One of the um, people that I work with has um, places a great deal of emphasis on generosity. Mm -hmm. And I've been thinking a lot about that over the last few months. And how can we be generous in how we show up and receive people? How can we be generous in listening? How can we be generous in our compassion? And how can we have an attitude of generosity? You know, there's a um, a whole movement about gratitude. And Mm -hmm. that's another virtue. Um, But I think if we can bring those attitudes um, and really be thinking about how will I be generous in this meeting? Because long ago, I realized that how we think impacts how we feel. Mm. You know, that our our, thinking, yes. our inner dialogues impact how we feel, and that comes out in how we show up. Right. And so the place we can have the greatest impact is in the starting point. And what is it I want to think about going into this meeting? Am yeah. I, you know, ready? with my big guns to Mm. take someone out or am I going to go in generously with a question? Mm. And I find, I find myself trying to remember that as I'm writing emails because you know, an email that's written in haste. Yes. um, Can do more damage and to just pause and think, okay, Maybe I need to wait an hour before I send it so that I have the right frame of mind from which it's coming.
0: Yeah. Um, I had something happen to me a month ago that kind of rocked my world a little bit, not for good. And it shook me up and, you know, threw me through all of the emotions. And, you know, people say, well, just do this and just do that. And it's like, I can't do anything right now. I'm going through the anxiety, the anger, the anguish, the depression, the disbelief. I'm going through all of that. And it's only when I'd gone through the process of those emotions could I vow, okay, so what can I do about it? And then step into the clarity. And I decided I had to put a show on it because we are knee-jerk people. You know, we want to react straight away, but in, in our lack of clarity, we're not going to be articulate. And we're going to be, as you said, guns firing. And that sometimes we just need to go for the emotional process and spend it for us to really assess the situation and really what is happening
1: and see it for what it is and then what we're empowered to do about it. That's right. Someone said to me recently, there's power in the pause. Oh, boy, yes. (laughs) You know, whether that's waiting to respond or what you're going to say, I think there's power in the pause. Yes, my husband, my ex-husband used to say to me, when
0: I went silent, that's when he got scared.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> I had a mother like
0: that. <laughs> you know, I can say, I can say, and you're not listening, and then I go quiet, and it's like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> danger, <laughs> danger. Yeah, exactly, because nobody's hearing the words, yeah. right? So they don't know what's going to come out next. Um Women in leadership, let's just face it, we've always been leaders in whatever role we've taken, we've always been leaders, you know, because we're just natural people to see what needs to be done and find a way to do it or find someone else who can do it better than we can. So I think we've always been great collaborators and great leaders in our own right, but we haven't had the authority behind that leadership to be recognized as leaders. That tide is definitely changing now,
1: isn't it? it's changing definitely changing um not fast enough um but one of the things that i find very heartening and exciting is that women are now bonding together they're building connections and relationships so if you watch on the internet there are so many organizations of women that are coming together there's one now called the chief and another one called um uh, the name escapes me it will come Uh, to you and when it does load it out (laughs) lots of organizations where women can come together and support each other and i think that is going to help move women into roles of authority. I was in Boston about, let's say, 20 years ago, when the four, the four hospitals had women who were not yet CEOs, but in the C-suite. And these women got together and started meeting regularly to talk about what would it take for them to become CEOs. And they supported each other and, you know, figured it out. Now, this is in the 90s. And eventually, each of them was promoted to the position. Today, there are formal organizations that help women do that. Um, Here in California, there is so much work being done to get women on boards. But my my feeling is that women need to get into the C-suite. Mm -hmm. at least, as well as the boards. But I think women can have enormous impact in the C-suite and there are more and more opportunities for women to get the training, the collaboration and the coaching, the the support to make that journey. I was watching a wonderful documentary the other
0: day on Ohora from Star Trek. And I had absolutely no idea of how she had such an incredible impact on NASA, on incorporating women and people of color.
1: How interesting.
0: Because it was a completely all white man's club, you know, either, you know, Air Force or military. And she literally was given four months and the backing to go around to everybody saying, you can be a national You know, and, you know, don't let the color, don't let the sex get in the way. And had all of these people sign up to go improve the program. And it just, you know, they realized that you know, we, we, we have got to be more inclusive. That's and true. it literally changed because of her movement. And it, wow. I never knew this of her at all, right? Just knew her as the actress. And, and she literally changed history altogether, which then had a domino effect. And then you look at that movie, Hidden Figures. Yes, yes. Right. which is like where were they ever given the credit
1: yes right you
0: know nobody ever heard of them until that movie was put out right so the thing is there are so many women uh behind the scenes that are pushing forth Mm -hmm. you know these agendas putting forth this equality putting forth these changes and they're stepping out there because of that conviction and it's a movement that's been around for a long time Mm -hmm. but it needs to gather more momentum and it has to be putting forth you know, all people uh, of color, of, of all sexualities, um, are based in equality, not a fight against men and generally, right. let's right. say, generally, you know, white men, not a fight against them, more of an education of your exclusive club is now over. That's
1: right. Right? That's
0: right. You know, the doors, we've just opened the doors. In fact, we've taken the doors off the hinges. And I, you look at Congress now and, you know, how many more women are stepping into power. And it's like once they're there and people see how efficient, how much they get done. Everybody thinks the woman is going to go off the rails and be hysterical and not be able to cope with things. And like, she's there kind of going, really?
1: <laughs> Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or my favorite is Greta Third. Mm-hmm. she is my yes. favorite female. Yeah. are
0: you going to talk to the president why bother he can't listen <laughs> 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 and on also yeah. the hispanic one um she's amazing as well uh, very clear-headed and uh, you know very articulate being attacked left right and center just keeps her cool all the time that's their issue not mine and i think that that's something that we need to take on as women there's always going to be people fighting against you wanting to rise up. We have to realize this is not an attack on us. Right. This is an insecurity on them.
1: I, I, and I actually like to frame all of that as a systemic issue. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's not about any individual woman right. or any individual man, or even about the relationships. There's a systemic factor that has been in business for so long that needs to be changed yes when i was um running my coaching my coaching consulting company i had a lot of experiences running programs in big companies and so i saw the good the bad and the ugly Mm -hmm. and what did and didn't work and when i went to vmware in the um to around 2009 A few years later, I was asked to launch an initiative to address the discrepancies in the advancement of women, the advancement, the recruitment and retention of women. And I had learned a few very important lessons about how to do that effectively that I'd just like to share. The first was, instead of bringing all the women together, I asked to have a member of the executive team of each organization, male or female, but a very senior person in each of the 13 orgs who would be the coordinating body for all of our efforts. So we had power and authority as well as leadership in running this. Mm -hmm. And then the second and most impactful thing we did was we collected data. We treated this initiative like any other business initiative and business initiatives start with data. So we collected five years of the data on hiring, promotion, and retention of both men and women in every org at five different levels. And we put these glorious manuals together with the data. And I went around to the senior execs and said, this is the story in your organization. And all of the places where women were underrepresented was in red and all the places where it was equal or better was green. And they would flip through the data and they'd close it up and they'd say to me, oh, we have a problem. Yeah, (laughs) What are we gonna do about it? And so it was the quickest, sell so to speak Mm. in my entire career because the data convinced them they needed to do something and like good big business people mostly men they were willing to do what it takes well it's what you're
0: talking about there is bottom line how is it affecting the bottom line and let's face it that most executives have been conditioned to look at the bottom line, not how they get to the bottom line. Well, you know, if your bottom line is shaky, is not even, is not growing, right. Then clearly there's something wrong between the bottom line and the first line. right? Right. So let's backpedal. Right. It's like reverse engineering. Right. And, and looking at the problem of where the problem is. And it's like, you have, a pool of creativity here why are you not accessing it Exactly. exactly i lived in south africa for a number of years and for a while i was a a rep i was the first woman rep of mobile oil i knew nothing about the oil didn't you know and but the people i went to knew about the oil really what they were looking for was customer service you know um you know uh, making sure they got things on time and got it at a good price yes yes but I will admit, I ran into so much sexism, not with the people that I went around to, but the people within the company I was working with, because there was a great deal of resentment. First woman rep, right? And I was bringing orders in. And what did I know? They'd been around for so long time. They knew the composition of oil. I didn't know it. you know. So, right. And consequently, sabotage you know happened and so that's one story another one is i worked with uh, another guy and he was not addressed the problem to the higher ups again i was out there to find out what the problem was how can we rectify it make sure that the service to you is beneficial to your bottom line and when i brought it up at the at the board meeting and um, it was amazing. my boss got fired and I got off at his job. And I said, no, I don't want his job. I don't want his job. I just want him to do his job better because he's not listening to me. He's not okay. hearing me. Right. And it was again you know, you're under him. So therefore, you're not valued. And it's like, but I'm here bringing you back the problem. It's now for you to look at how we can resolve it, not ignore it. And it's like, was it because I was a woman? And in many cases, yes, it was. Because, you know, South Africa at that time in the 70s was very, very sexist, very misogynistic um, one of the reasons why I left. I think we have to be persistent as women and stand our ground. Right. We, we have to, as you said, put down the data, show them at the bottom line. You know, we know that as a species, men aren't great listeners. They're not, sorry, be married. No, not. Um, but when you write it down and you let them digest it and then come back after they've digested it, now you can have a conversation about
1: it. Correct, True. correct. And we all, you know, for me, it's all about communication. Yes. Determining the, you know, based on the person you need to deliver a message to of any kind what is their modality of hearing yes you spoke earlier about um you know for a a profile and four different styles and there are certainly different ways that people like to get information yes and i've found that the more careful and deliberate i am in thinking through how it's going to be received Yes, the more effective the communication is. It's all about focusing on the recipient, not 100%. on yeah. how I, you're
0: feeling. I, can't you see it? Why can't you see it? It's that's so right. obvious. Well, that from my perspective, it is. They're yeah. coming at it from a different angle. Right. Understand what their angle is, what kind of personality trait they are, and know that you've got to deliver it to them in their language Exactly. Right?
1: Exactly.
0: Not impose your language upon them because they're not getting it in no. their
1: language. No. I, I think the metaphor of languages, you know, of really thinking about how hard it is to learn a foreign language mm-hmm. and live in another language and thinking about the language of, I talk a lot about financial uh, literacy you know being able to speak the language of finance to be taken seriously mm-hmm. as a business person or to be able to speak the language of the person that you're talking to you wouldn't try to speak english to a german that doesn't know english right you you, you, you would yeah. accommodate to their language so have a
0: translator of true too right That's and he's right. like i know i could never speak finances to people i could speak you know, the personal profit, you know, who the people would buy, you know, I know how to target that, but the, the financial crunch numbers, no. So what you do is you have somebody with you that is good at that. Exactly. Somebody else that's good at that. And you go in as a team and as a team you present it. Mm -hmm. And now again, people are seeing the bigger picture instead of one perspective.
1: That's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. I,
0: you know, we're, I have three children, three grown children, one grandkid now, which I'm going to go and see tomorrow. Oh, Five-month-old, gorgeous, you know, giggly, he's just found his voice. So it's just absolutely wonderful, waited a long time for this. And in each child, you know, they all came from myself and their father, and, but each child had a different personality. And it's like, and they're all interacting with life in a different way. And you as a mother have to be very in tune to that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you can't talk to this one like you can that one because maybe they're more sensitive or they don't get it that way. And you learn how to adjust your language.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So it's the same in business, you know, to go in and say, it's this color and that's it. And we're going to talk in that language. Uh, you're not going to get much done. You're that's not going right. to get much productivity. An orchestra, if it was one instrument, even if there were a dozen of the same instrument, would be rather boring.
1: That's right. What,
0: what makes the orchestra so absolutely resonating are all of the beautiful
1: instruments coming together in harmony. Exactly, and there is considerable research at this point showing that companies that have diverse boards, the companies that have diversity throughout their company, um, actually have a far better bottom line. Catalyst is an organization. That works with large companies and does a considerable amount of research. And they have study after study showing how there's a direct correlation between the um, percentage of diversity and the bottom line. So, you know, what might have been intuitive 20 years ago now is based on hard fact as yeah. well as what we think. I did a wonderful series
0: uh, called Let's Get Synced, and it was on the emotional environment about the environment, you know, about climate change and how businesses are having to change and, you know, that fear of change. And so a lot of the people I interviewed were moreover in Europe, moreover over that part of the world. And one of them has a company called Pure Necessity, a German guy that was on the other side of the wall. And when it, he was 12 when it came down. So he had actually understood both sides because he had the experience of both sides. And, you know, he said that it is about people and planet for profit. And that when yes. you invest in the people, you invest in the resources, the planet, the profit will come. But the profit at the expense of people is a passé now, because Absolutely. people have cottoned onto it. They do not want to be chewed up and spat out. We've seen too much of that um, you walk into a, into a building, you're going to go and see the CEO of that building. And if it's dirty, what's your impression? So right. who's the most important person in that building? The janitor. Yes. They've yes. set the stage. Does the janitor get any praise? No. Yes. <laughs> right. So everybody has an important role to play. And if you respect that and respect them and their contribution and that everybody is the village, then I think you have so much more loyalty, so many more people willing to come forth with an idea, so many more people willing to collaborate together. Mm-hmm. And it's like a good leader will
1: create leaders out of everyone else. That's a key a key message about leaders and uh, executives. And uh, the key is to create and develop leaders below you. I also... Uh, believe that smart leaders hire people who are more talented than they are yes than the things that they need to accomplish so that they're surrounded by very talented people and not afraid of someone being better than they are at a particular skill
0: yeah you know you look at uh, Richard Branson yes you know he's definitely one and I know that People who work for his organizations love working for his organizations because he really just treat his people well.
1: Nice. And
0: it's all about the innovation. And if you want to get ahead and you're showing that you want to get ahead and you've got an idea, he's open to it. Right. And, and I think that imagine how much more a company can be if you are allowing people to say, and I, how many times does an idea sound ridiculous and so far fetched? Until you reverse engineer it and you go, you know what? We could make something like this happen. Right. But you, but you need those dreamers. You need those people that can see that big perspective to bring it down to a reality. Correct. Yes. The burden of having to be the full creator, the full conductor, you know, the full everything all on your shoulders, like Devil West Prada. She had to have everything on her shoulders and look what it made her.
1: Right. Right.
0: So it's you don't want that burden as a leader.
1: You want to share the responsibility. Many years ago, I saw a a documentary done on an orchestra that had learned to play without a conductor. Mm -hmm. And the conductor who had been there had really guided them to a place that they were so in sync mm. that they could perform beautifully without, it was a hymn, without him being present. And I think there's a story in that about how to create communities that are self-sustaining without yes. the um, authority person. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, what is authority? The word itself, when you hear it, you immediately think of authoritarians, you you know, you know, think of force, you think of um, persecution, you think of restraint, you think of somebody that's higher up than you, that's going to make decisions on you. We look at that word and it's really through how many years has had a negative connotation that when you talk to someone, speak with authority, they immediately go, I don't want to speak like a militant right. because
1: that's what we've associated it with, isn't it? that's true i actually like to think about it as authoring mm. you know self-authoring that ought to author is to create it's yes. to bring into the world it's to initiate and so um and authority is someone who initiates certain dimensions of the life and work of the group that require decision making yes
0: um yeah it's it's just amazing how we can take words and and give it a negative connotation i mean again my last show last week was on uh, optimism and you know even optimism has taken a, a bad rap you know pie in the sky you know you, right. you heads up in the clouds you're not living in reality you know, Absolutely. and it's like no. If we're not optimistic about who we are, what we stand for, what we do in life, then where where's that general you know self-generating enthusiasm, right? So it's uh, it's good that you're changing the dynamics of the word and and empowering people to step into authority without the fear of what authority has stood for.
1: Uh, yes, yes, because I also think that many people conflate authority and leadership. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I try to keep making that distinction of that, because we've all known leaders who have authority who are not effective. We know people who are leaders without authority who are effective. Every combination exists. Yes. But I think I have found it most helpful to separate the two words as different dimensions of um, being at the head of an organization.
0: Now, you were a nun for 20 years? Yes, yes. So, as you said, you learned a great deal of structure and, you know, a lot of those dynamics of leadership and accountability and community and collaboration and everything. What made you want to leave that and go, go into this completely other world, which is you know, organizing, you kind of looked to me as the conductor, going in and organizing everybody into into their own leadership. Uh,
1: But what made you decide to do that? So my life as a nun was very far from the stereotype of the sound of music (laughs) or the kind of strict convent rules. Um, My order was a group of intelligent, capable, accomplished women who ran schools for girls and women and nonprofits. And so the work that I've done has changed context, mm-hmm. but really hasn't changed. The nature of the work hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of um, career counseling and campus ministry when I, and teaching when I was a nun. Um, And then after, when I left the community, which I'm still very close to and connected to, um, I did so because in part, the Catholic Church had become very conservative. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't feel I could have as great an impact for women within that context as I wanted to. And um, moving into the corporate sector was a fascinating Mm. change because um, it all, it was structured in a different way. Um, But having learned how to work as Catholic nuns within the patriarchy Mm -hmm. of Rome, I had insights into how to navigate patriarchal companies in still in the late 90s um, and how to maximize the talent of the women. And for me, it's always been about changing the world one woman at a time. I'm with you. Yes. And, you know, in in your years, you know, not only as a nun, but
0: now in the last years of of what you're doing although it's not enough but you know are you feeling at all uplifted the fact that there is this shift now to more women in authority welcome to selfdiscoverymedia.com where we discover communities that are making a difference in the lives of others our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey here you will find the people still I still see all guidance. the work that needs to yeah. be your inspiration. You know, that will be uh, some things that were true. Of
1: life. Do enjoy. Even our next show is. Insights that were helpful 20 years ago are still very helpful today. And, you know, I would have hoped that we had yeah. moved on further. Yes. So there's a lot of work to still be done. I am most encouraged by how many women are really committed to making it happen Mm. and how many men today, how many men are really committed to advancing others, not just difference across gender, but across race and ethnicity and background. Um, I think it's a huge challenge. And I think that companies, and I'm a big believer of working through systems Mm -hmm. rather than just individually. I'll work with one woman at a time within a system. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that um, by and large, people understand it is beneficial for the companies from a profit as we talked about earlier. It's all also the right thing to do. Yeah. And I also think that we have a generation of parents in leadership, both men and women, who have told their daughters yes. from the time they were born, they can do and be whatever they want. Yes. That was not true for me. No. Uh, so, um, no, your uh, place. <laughs> especially the fathers that, who have told their daughters they can do anything they want. Those men are now in senior executive roles. Mm-hmm. And so they have an experience, a personal experience that informs their view of the business imperative in a way that an earlier generation did not. Right. We're seeing so many, what I call indigo
0: children today. They're just have, they vote, I call their channeling, you know, they're just channeling that wonderful divine wisdom into rational logic and reasoning. And they're so gifted and they seem to be so together. I mean, look at Greta for one, and you're looking at them with such beautiful common sense. The youngest person I interviewed was 10 at the time, and she'd written a book, 365 days of gratitude with a positive attitude. And it was just simply, you know, what I'm grateful for today. And, you know, the statement that she said is like, I don't understand. If you're unhappy, why stay there? Go and do something that's going to make you happy. That's right. And you're like, as, as, as. Out of day. Exactly. the mouth of days. Exactly. And it's like, special. it's like, why do we make it so complicated? I'm not happy at this. So therefore, what am I going to do to change it? Instead, we wallow in it. And, you know, I think that the more. Uh, the men that see the benefit of women, more uh, parents that are seeing your children could be anything, the more we're going to see that next generation and the generation after, where we're going to see more of that equality. Uh, Because it's no longer going to be about, you know, what sex you are, what color you are. It's going to be about what is your ability. Do you get on with people? Because it's also, if they have an aptitude for learning and you, you have a great personality, they want you. Because they know, they know they can teach you. You know, you don't have to know everything to go after a job. You have that's to right. know enough to understand what the job is and the willingness to learn and enthusiasm. Uh,
1: enthusiasm goes a long way. Yes. yes. And I think, I think that, you know, one thing that um, I have found very important for women is to really going back to, we've talked about this a little bit, going back to what they really want Mm -hmm. in their core. Because enthusiasm is about something that you want, whether Mm -hmm. it's for yourself or for your children or for the world, but enthusiasm is what motivates you to move and yeah. then make a get difference. Get up every day. And feel good <laughs> yes. And feel good. yes. And I think that women can sometimes get so caught up in delivering what is needed for the business and needed for their family and paying attention to the relationships that they can sometimes forget to listen to themselves and what they really want. Yeah, And that will give them the energy and the enthusiasm for something that even can be a hard thing to accomplish. Yes. Yes. I'm
0: always saying you are your business. We don't want to know that you are this person over here and that person. You're going to wear different hats for different situations. That's different. But we want to know the core of who I'm speaking to is the person you are. And in whatever business you're in, you are the representative of that business. And so you want people to, you know, feel that you are opening and welcoming and communicating and listening. And you want that to be something I really want to do business with this company because I really like this person that's representing it because they feel real. I feel they can hear me. I feel they're going to be able to address my problem. They're going to be able to find my solutions. They don't want a robot. We've got plenty of automated stuff nowadays and it's driving us all crazy. We <laughs> want a human being. How many times are we screaming at the phone? Just give me a human. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did that two days ago for about an hour.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Press this for this. It reminds me of the, uh, oh, oh, I think it goes back. I don't know how far, but a great skit. You know, somebody being murdered. I've, I mean, I've witnessed the murders. I've, they've seen me witness the murder. Press one for this, press one for that. Press yeah. one. Finally get through, too late, I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And we're there. That's the scary yeah. thing, you know. And yeah. it's yeah. the movie Brazil, requisition for the requisition for the requisition. And it's yeah. like, we've got so tied up in the bureaucracy. And what we really want is keeping it real, keeping yeah. it real. Are you the same person? everywhere else. Now, you may wear a different hat, but are you the same person? Because that's what people want to know. They don't want facades anymore.
1: Correct. And I think people who are that real person are very much in touch with who they are and what they want. And why um, they're doing it. And why they're doing it. Yes. And, you know, and they're hugely successful because they It comes from inside out. It comes from inside
0: out. Yeah. Everything comes from the inside out. You know, we've been taught that to have a better house, a bigger car, flashy this, flashy that. that That's what's going to make us happy. And I, I can't tell you how many CEOs I've interviewed is like, I bought into that. And I was miserable. And I was working 18 hours a day. And I lost my marriage and my kids and everything else. What for? You know, I am now doing this and I feel more enriched and more abundant, even though my income has gone down to that, you know, and it's like they feel more purposeful because really in the end of it, we want to know, we count that what we're contributing is purposeful, that is really okay. meaningful. And so if we could chase that, you know, what, what's inside of me, what beautiful in- instrument inside of me needs to come out? Whom does it serve? How can I do this? And how can I invite the village to do it with
1: me? Because that's really where we're at, isn't it? It is. It, it reminds me of um, when I was a nun, in that framework, we were always seeking what we call the will of God. You know, what was God calling us to do? What, what, and we would pray and we would pray in community. So we would include others in that discernment. And now in the work that I do, I find that uh, many of the processes that I used as a nun mm-hmm. are highly transferable. Yes. And so when a woman is trying to decide, as two of my clients are right now, you know, what next, this job or that job, you know, stay or leave, one of the things that as a nun, we, we call called a discernment process was put simply that you would imagine option A in as detail as you can. Yes. You know, when, where, with whom, mm. how would you work? What will, what will your life be like? And then spend a day or two days just living as if that was yep. going to happen and then switch and just go totally into the second option and imagine what that's like and what happens in that process is that your inside out your your mission your purpose Mm -hmm. your drive your desire has a chance yes to surface right It's not all the swot analysis of strengths and pros and cons but let it emerge from inside out. And that process can be very useful in identifying which of two options you, mm. you feel more called to do. I'm
0: always making mini movies. I have done, I was a sickly child in bed a lot. So no TV, no radio, nothing like that in those days. No laptop, you know, you were just on your own in a bare room. So off I'm making little movies in my head and I still do scenarioing. Right. Yes. And it's a, and, you know, imagine yourself in that taking you down and go, oh, no, no, that scene doesn't feel quite right. Switch it, you know, <laughs> and, but I think one of the important things is make a connection with your core. Right. Right. Your core, yeah. that soul, wisdom, that heart, soul, spirit, purpose, that connection to the divine, whatever you wish to call it, that core will always see you right. And if your core says, don't do it, Don't push it. I don't care how much intellectually it looks good. Correct. If the core says no, it knows more than you do. So if I get, I get offered all the time, come and join me here, come and do this, come and do that. If my core, you know, oh, that looks good. Yeah, that sounds exciting. And the core goes, no, no, it's not for you. And that's not fear. That is, it's truth that knows me better than my head does. Right. Correct. And if you listen to that, it will always steer you right. But you've got to make that connection first.
1: Exactly. Like when we talked earlier about relationships, mm-hmm. you need to build the relationships before you can start yeah. asking for something or really yeah. um, be effective. And I, the, the most important relationship is with your inner core. Yes. And how can people know who you are until you know
0: who you are? Right. How can they interact with you if you're all over the place trying to be something? to fit into everybody else's expectation everybody's going to get a snippet of an illusion from you rather than the real you spend the exactly. time to know who you are as you say going, going scenario in you're in various scenario positions and again i really relate to this one i really feel this one my core really feels on that now you know your inner truth is coming out
1: correct yeah i totally agree totally agree <laughs>
0: we don't do enough time on that do it it's, it's again chasing the expectation um
1: or you know um, we get busy we, we get, get busy yeah about details and to do's mm-hmm. but we don't spend enough time to know our deepest desires
0: right i mean that, how you know, how we in, frame that. the initial lockdown was an, as a gift in, in many ways to, to people who obviously didn't have to go through the actual virus because it was a pause and for everybody else, it was like, oh, coming down. It's like, I have not felt this relaxed in so long. Why am I always, you know, like it's turning the wire, keep turning and turning. If you keep turning it, it's going to snap at some point. But when right. we're in that, we don't feel it. We don't see it. We're just so wound up. And when we are finally unwind and you go, I don't want to be in that state anymore. So what can I do that really feel I'm connected to, that I could be purposeful with, that I can be abundant with in every level and not reach that same completely overbusy, saturated state. And I think
1: it was a gift for many people just to sit back and review and renew their lives. I agree. I think what we're seeing now with the mass, what are they calling the mass exit, the grand exit of people leaving mm-hmm. jobs Some of that is because people got in touch with their core. But my caution is what we talked about earlier, pause. Yes. You know, pause and really discern is exit the only strategy. Right. Right. Yeah, it it could be um,
0: sitting down with the entire association and say, this has given us pause for thought. Mm-hmm. And I will come back with this company, but I need to see a restructuring. And, and, and it, you know, it was said on the news just a little while ago that you know business people are having to really look. Like, um, people don't want to go into work every day. They'll go in a couple of days a week or go in for meetings and they want to prefer to work at home. Um, or they want to, to see this change and that change. And it's like, listen to the people that work with you or work for you because they're going to be so much more productive if you're willing to be flexible with them and their needs. Mm-hmm. So it used to be, uh, do you want the job or not? There's plenty of people waiting for it. To uh, I will decide if I want the job or not, but the
1: circumstances have to be right. Yes, yes, yes. People have much more freedom today. Yes,
0: and that's good because when they have the freedom and they have that liberty, to be they're going to be more creative they're going to be more loyal and they're going to be more productive
1: and more centered
0: more centered most certainly because they're coming from that place of truth we want everyone to come from that place of truth right absolutely absolutely as you say there's a leader in every one of us and even if you're just leading you know that part of the band it doesn't matter you know we're our own leaders our own life and our own decision making every single person is a leader right and you wanna be a leader in your own life, making your own decisions on what you need for your life. But other people could shed the light on that. Other people can can see things inside of you that you maybe can't see. And because that's their leadership role is to show you all
1: that you can be. That's right. It's all about your yourself, being in relationship with others and understanding the systems that you're, you're working within. And I guess before we end, I I just want to say that, you know, with so much suffering in the world today from so many things that are going on, I think it's also incumbent on us to be thinking beyond our world of our family and our business to how do we bring everything we've just talked about in terms of business into our global citizenship role and how can we really contribute to helping others who are, who don't have the um, fortune to be able to think about the things that we've discussed Mm -hmm. because their life is so focused on simple survival. Right, right. As we're seeing evidence of in many places at the present moment for one thing
0: or the other, you know, somebody was talking about the war that's out there, you know, there's going to be another third war after the pandemic. And I said, we're already in that war. It's called division. Mm -hmm. And if we could all just fight the virus and not each other, we would get so much further. And if we could all, I mean, every drop of kindness in the ocean makes up the ocean if everybody put forward a drop of, of kindness and compassion, nobody's asking you to give away your first child. We're asking yeah. you just a little drop, gotcha. and all of those drops add up and they have a huge impact. but don't just turn the cheek or you know and the other thing is yes, you can get inundated with things that are going on. You can't help everybody. Choose some organization that you can and be dedicated to them, right? So it's just do something, please. Yes. I I second that. (laughs) Now, how do people
1: get hold of the book? How do they get hold of you? And what are you offering them right now? Yes. So the easiest way to get hold of the book is at Amazon. It can be pre-ordered and it will be delivered on the 21st. Um, To reach me, I have a new website launching next week. It's just my name, www ellensnee.com and on there is information about my coaching services, my book, my speaking and I am more than happy to speak with companies or groups of women about the topics in the book or anything about advancing women leaders in the world. Excellent
0: and I'm going to spell the name Ellen E L L E N S N ee.com that's correct and they of course find you you know on instagram and on facebook and the same and of course you're up on linkedin as well yeah and um and uh, you've got a whole program you know the executive coach for high potential senior level women catalyst coaching etc in linkedin as well that you offer through there so people
1: are also you. offering in october we're going to be running a pilot program four Wednesdays in October at noon Pacific time, where we will be addressing different topics in the book and we will have guest speakers mm, wonderful. speaking how to how this top each topic impacted their lives and the wisdom they learned. So right. lots coming up ahead. You're wonderful. And we need it because we you know we are in flux right now. You
0: know, we, we may be in flux career. We're definitely in flux in the world right now. There's still A tornado a hurricane you know of hysteria out there and however much you want to avoid it you know you can keep catching the edge of it because something else is going wrong you know floods fires uh, you know you name it there's always something let's step into compassion for ourselves for each other let's understand that that leadership starts with us for us within us you know to to lead others not because uh, we're the authoritarian, but because we're an authority on that particular subject, right? Yeah. So yeah. we can help others. So we're all in this together. And really, quite honestly, we may have one person that we look up to that is the inspiration that begets the invitation, but it takes that person to inspire the whole team to come together to actually manifest whatever the, you know, the product is. So we're all in this and we've all got a voice and we just got to find that Amen. voice. Right. So thank you so much for sharing here today. I, I love the whole journey. I love the whole platform. Um, yes, we do need to see more women step up and we're capable. We've got the abilities. We've just got to know that it's lying within us. We've got to pry open those doors. And if we can't pry open the doors, create our own doors. It, right? Yes. Right. So many women are. Many yes. women are, and then you know, people are saying, "My goodness, you know, she used to work for us, and I never paid attention to her. And look what she's doing now; she's become the competition." Yes. Well, pay attention, yes. <laughs> right? Yes. They won't be competing with you. So yes. it's uh listen. Well, thank, you. thank you,
1: Sarah. It's been a delight to have this time with you, and I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and all the ways that uh, the topics we've covered. It's been a pure joy.
0: The thing is, we rock, women. So we step rock. into it. <laughs> step into it, right? So it's ellensnee, S-N-E-E dot com. Check it out for her book, for her programs, for everything else that's coming up. We all need that guidance right now. We all want to move forward. We may not just know how. We need that inspiration. She's got the book. She's got the programs. She's got the enthusiasm. So please step forward, folks. And until next time, bye for now.